Once upon a time, in a faraway land, I woke up and realized I am going to be a dentist. Said like no one ever. These are the real stories, not fairy tales. As we go behind the smiles, this is a podcast where we interview and chat with some of the biggest leaders in dentistry, learn their stories, and share their motivation with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Today's podcast is brought to you by Yappy, an automated paperless software for dentists and their teams. Learn more at yappyapp.com. Welcome back. You're currently listening to part two of Keeping Track of Your Goals, Visions, and Priorities with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman, and special guest speaker, Dr. David Maloli. And, you know, I know that you are truly living that epic life that, as in your book, I think you say you blueprinted it, right? You, you work part-time now, about uh, 12 uh, days a month, I think you said, right? Well, I won't go into the office more than 12. Sometimes it's 10, 11, or 12, but... Um... Yeah, you know, and, and, um, but that allows you the time to do other things that you love and enjoy, like speaking, like coaching, writing the book. Um, and, uh, you ski about 40 days a a year, right? Yeah, I try to. Yeah. yeah. The snow was incredible. For our listeners who don't know, I was just with Dave and, um, his wife and, and, uh, their son at dinner in Vail and, and uh, we spent a few days skiing there and the weather and the food and uh, the snow, everything was incredible. So I certainly see how Dave came to Vail and, and just like that decided that that's where he's going to be. I mean, that's definitely a magical place. And, uh, um, y- you know, the fact that you've been able to envision this best life ever and then reverse engineer and really build it is incredible. One thing I wanted to know is, is, you know, you've mentioned the hardship with your practice, you know, um, having done the demographics, it's a tough, um, area to, to practice. It's tough to find employees because, yeah. you know, it's a, the, the cost of living in, in Vail, I'm sure is very high. Um, probably some seasonal employees. What uh, are some of the lessons that you've learned? What did you use in your practice to turn it all around? I mean, what was your leadership style? What was your, what was the marketing? What did you learn? What would you recommend to others who might be struggling with practice growth? Um, uh, At first it was, I would put any money I could into marketing. I would test and test and test and test. And, um, finally found a few things that were hitting for me. And so new patient flow was so important and it was for a long, long time because just like employees are transient, my patients were transient. It wasn't because they were going to other dentists. They were just leaving the area. But I also knew that as somebody moved out, somebody would be moving in. So we stayed very new patient focused for probably five years. And then we, I saw a tip in the reports where we were getting 60 to 70% referral base because we were giving them a great experience. Um, I, I practice just like I would in rural Nebraska. Like I shoot from the hip. I say, this is what you need. This is sometime maybe later, a potential crown in the future. And um, it's kind of like you have two options, do it or don't do it. (laughs) I don't get really sophisticated with the case presentation. And I, as much as I tell them what they need, I tell them what they don't need. And um, that, it's cliche to say treating people like family members, but I, if I'm in a dilemma and I was for a long time, I would see stuff come in and the schedule would be slow. And I'm like, God, a lot of dentists would crown this. Should I crown it? And I was like, no, I got to sleep at night. That was my test. And it's proved dividends because now all of our patients come from Google reviews and referrals, all of them. And um, 
So there's a critical mass that gets hit and then reputation in a small town takes hold. Um, the biggest challenge that I've had, you alluded to, is staffing. Mm-hmm. Um, like just this last year, we're rocking and rolling in 2017, 2018. I replaced every single full-time team member except for one, my dental assistant. And the show still went on because um, the other thing you alluded to is that I shift my leader, shifted my leadership style. I understand it. I, I felt like to, to create a sustainable product in my practice, I had to understand culture at a like incredibly like almost a perfected level because I knew a paycheck wasn't going to be enough to, to stay competitive in the market and retain employees. So I got to the point where I was asking them like, what makes you fulfilled at the end of the day? What makes you excited to come to work? And so I started building in these things that I was essentially asking, what do you want from your work other than a paycheck? And then I was trying to deliver on that and it's created a really tight unit um, that one takes work and worry off my plate um, because they serve um, patients just as well. Sometimes they connect far better than I do, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And um, it's the, the shift, the single shift that I made that I could, you know, if I could rewind 10 years ago, it would be stop thinking that leadership is compliance based. Stop thinking that leadership is this hierarchy. Um, certainly, if you're trying to scale a big business, I understand. But I have a cottage business. I have six, seven employees at all times. I'm interfacing them with them all the time. And I try to create this, like, lead this, lead that. And when I shifted that to, I'm going to stop creating followers. I'm going to create everyone has to be an owner and a leader of something. And once they understood how to make decisions, once they understood how to take on the best interest of the practice and the patient, once they understood that they can make mistakes of ambition, I would reward them and the mistakes of apathy, I would, I would condemn them. (laughs) I created like a team of peers almost that there are certain things in there. Like, I hate to say it, but I don't really know anything about it. And now instead of hearing when the sensor isn't working, it just gets fixed instead of hearing that so-and-so is upset, they just make it right. And, um, not only does that help the bottom line, it helps with the fulfillment stuff that we keep talking about. And so um, it's very trust-based. It's very choice-based. And um, a word that doesn't get used very much in dentistry is it's very love-based. Like they have my back and I have their back. And I don't care if that group grows to 10. I don't care if it goes down to three now. Like that's who we are. And there's non-negotiables. And when somebody intrudes, meaning they're not a fit, the team tells me like when like five days, like this isn't going to work. You can go through your system, right. <laughs> give them like the program and tell them this is the expectations. But I'm here to tell you like this, this person doesn't have what it takes. Um, so that's, that's how we've gotten now where um, every time I've cut back days, harvested days out of the practice, our production doesn't go down, it goes up. And so you can do that when you have people that are performing. Not just A players, B players, C players, but everyone a leader. So absolutely, that's 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 been the 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 engine. I can't take credit for it. In some ways, I've engineered it. But um, to see those girls, sometimes I just stand back and hear laughter coming from operatories and watch them take on challenging patients. And like as a leader, like that just that's better than the paycheck. Yes. Absolutely. And for me, it, it um, you know, the greatest joy for me in running a business is seeing people grow within the business. They'll come to us because they have certain, um, you know, values 
internal values. And that's why we pick them. And then they grow professionally. They learn to solve problems on their own. You gave an example of a sensor and, you know, with my busy practice and my busy life and yappy, I mean, there's absolutely no way I would have been able to do any of that if I had to make every decision. Yes, sensor is an expensive piece of equipment, but if I had to choose uh, or decide something about a sensor or some sort of a sterilizer or something else, and if uh, people came to me with problems, I would never be able to get anything done. I'd be just solving problems all day, right? <laughs> answering questions. And, and so for me, that's the greatest, uh, the, the most fun uh, part of the experience of running a practice or running a business is to have people who learn to solve my problems. That's, that's what they're there for. Yeah. Um, I love that. And, you know, I love that you, you mentioned that at one point you had mutiny on your team and now you have this high performing team how, uh, what are the steps? How do we do this? Because I think that team management is probably one of the biggest um, issues that dentists always bring up. It's always team management, insurance, and DSOs. That's what we talk about, right? <laughs> <laughs> so how do we, how do we create a high-performing team? Um, I think one is the acceptance that by and large, Dentists, we suck at leadership. And so we have to engage in that journey, just like our clinical self skill set. I remember cutting my first occlusal and it probably took me an hour and a half. And I swear <laughs> I was going to pulpit it every second of the time, you know, <laughs> and leadership is a lot like that. Like, but you can't, the worst thing you can do is just deny that that's your job and it's your role. Like just as much as you need it for your security and your income and for your family, well, they need it too. Like they, those people need some sense of certainty and um, the finger pointing and the blame that I see all the time, like it first starts with accountability. I have to say it like there's literally uh, extreme ownership made it very clear. There are no bad teams. There's only bad leaders because you hired them, you trained them or you didn't train them. You didn't like you, the buck stops with you and that's a painful place to be, but that same pain, is what can set you free. So I think it always has to start with accountability. I, I love that. One of my favorite books. And I feel like, I don't think it's painful. I actually think it's liberating. Just yeah. just realizing that I'm in control. I'm not a victim. I'm in control. I am responsible for everything. I can control pretty much. I mean, there's things we can't control outside of our environment, but within our environment, we're in charge. And it's not painful. It's, it's, it's freedom. Realizing that you are responsible for everything is, is truly freedom. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, not at all. There's, it's, I have a whiteboard over here that I do a lot of my clarity work, my lifestyle design stuff. And at the top, one day, just randomly, I wrote, my practice is not limited by its opportunities. It's limited by its leader. And that's a universal truth. That No matter how good I get at leadership, there's still another level. And like you said, it's liberating. And sometimes it's hard to get it's a bitter pill, but that's the medicine. That's, right. that's it. Like that will, that will determine the, the level that your practice performs at. Because if I'm in a coaching session, I'll ask them, what do you want your practice to be? It'll be eight, nine, and 10 always. Where is it now? It's usually five, six, or seven. What level of leader are you? I don't know, maybe a five. Okay. Well, there we have it. Like right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we found the path. Now let's get into it. Now, let's start with accountability. I, um, if I were to 
go do like a one hour boot camp with any dentist, I would immediately help them set up a meeting rhythm. And coming from the army, I freaking hated meetings. Like I thought like, this is the stupidest waste of time because we were always having meetings about meetings. <laughs> if you have a clear mission, uh, I, I always define, I've defined the mission hasn't changed in 10 years, but I let them define the values and I have them champion the values. Once we know what we're all about, the pillars in my practice are growth, case acceptance, and goodwill. That's what we're, that's what, what we're trying to execute on every patient every day. Once we know what the destination is, once they see the mountaintop, then it becomes very easy to have conversations. And so uh, huddles don't have to just be about the schedule and production. It can be about gratitude and where you see greatness and using those words as compasses. Um, one-on-one meetings, I have them self-evaluate on the mission and the values. If you have a decent team, never once do I go in a meeting and say, I wonder why you put a nine because I think you're a four here. Like (laughs) they have enough self-awareness. They know where they're struggling. And if you're a good enough leader, you can coach them into the right decision. And so you don't have to babysit. You don't have to own it. You can just ask the question like, what, how do you want me to challenge you? What do you want me to hold you accountable to the next 90 days? So strong huddles that aren't just about money and dollars and patience, but like really about the culture and how things feel. Um, one-on-one meetings I do quarterly now. If you're just starting out, you probably need to do them monthly until you can kind of know and trust and know that those team members on the same identify the way that you do about the practice. And annual meeting is something we just had this week where we kind of reset the sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and monthly meetings where we do just a very quick after action review, what went well last month, what, what didn't go well, and what are we going to focus on this next month? And then I do a training. Um, I used to do lots of training on clinical things, Invisalign apnea. Now I don't, um, because one of the things that I said to myself is that a way that I can gain a competitive advantage is that I can make them better in the practice as well as better humans. So better parents, better spouses, better. And so we focus on like John Maxwell books right now we're focusing on a book on growth. So certainly it benefits the practice, but these are skill sets and mindsets that are universal. They apply to the patient as much as they do to the daughter and to the son and to the husband. Um, So we train on that sort of stuff and they see that investment. They see that trust and it comes back. And that's where our growth comes from. Quite frankly, I, uh, the more I go, the less I focus on, uh, money, I see it as the byproduct of a team that feels good and is happy at coming at work. I don't know that I could have pulled that off um, early in my days, but it just seems to work now. Certainly, we have things that we focus on, like more Invisalign starts, or we have in these dialogues, but the collections and the production just happen as a byproduct of trust and um, this culture that we've built. And it's it feels good to me because I never felt good going after numbers. Certainly I wanted to be prosperous, but I never liked that as the central theme. So that's how we've organized things now and it works really well. So that's, that would be the foundation of a leadership journey. And when I take on coaching clients, that's usually where I have to start them. Like they're not having meetings, they're not having discussions. And so job one is just getting people aligned and on the same page. I love that. I love everything you just said. I, I, it's very difficult to get excited um, about money 
it's a certainly a short-term excitement, both for the leader and for the for the team, and to expect that everyone is going to come in and just, you know, count the dollars and and watch the production and get and be excited about it. Um, that's that's not going to happen. Maybe for a short period of time, and that's the problem with external motivation. You really need to be internally motivated and have a purpose and have um, something bigger. And and you know, it's funny. Because a lot of people, um, you hear a lot of people complain about millennials as employees and, and in dental offices, a lot of our employees are millennials and, you know, and they, they more than any other generation really need that purpose in life. That's what they want. And, and they're, they're very purpose oriented. And I think that um, expecting them just to show up for, um, you know, paycheck and be excited about practice goals is, is not realistic. So I love, I love what you just said. Um, I want to talk a little bit about dental success network. Um, I, this is, can you, can you share with my listeners um, what dental success network is and what your part in creating this is and, and uh, why it's such a special place? I think, I think our big, hairy, audacious goal is to create every competitive advantage for dentists. Um, dentists are very scattered. They're very independent. Certainly part, um, and you can appreciate this, Gina, because we've known each other for a long time. Part of my growth as a dentist is getting out of the silo and getting around other people that want and, and thought like I did. And um, we go in there and it becomes a street fight when we do it all alone. And that's another reason that I started the podcast because I was like, there's some real painful moments here. But when I go to the Colorado Dental Association meeting, I'm seeing a highlight reel. Is this, is this just my reality that I'm just like failing all the time? And so I wanted a place where people can grow and share, brag and be supported and um, struggle and also be supported because that's, that's just happened. It's an, and there's, there's no growing out of those things, I don't think. And so I would say first and foremost, DSN is a place to unify dentists in doing so, we can be very authentic and vulnerable and talk about our highs and lows and learn from people who have been to the School of Hard Knocks and come out the other side and said, like, this is what's possible. Um, we can talk about clinical challenges. We can talk about all that in real time, leveraging technology. The second thing that I don't think we've really reached uh, uh, our full capacity, in fact, I know we haven't, is bargaining power. If you look at what we feel threatened by the Goliaths of dentistry, right? Um, the insurance companies, the DSOs, all they are is a people, a big group of people with a singular mission. Right. And their interests sometimes don't align with our interests. But if we get a group, group, big group of people with a similar mission, what happens? Now we've got a bargaining power of 700 practices, just like Heartland Dental, right? Right. Yet we're retaining our autonomy. No one's asking me to give out equity. No one's wants a, a slice of um, the say in how I conduct my team and when I take days off and all that sort of stuff. So we're preserve, preserving autonomy, yet aligning and creating this powerful force of unity as a, as a bargaining power. Um, the the other piece that's important is the CE. We have kind of almost live CE going on as people present cases and fumbles and interceptions and as well as touchdowns. Um, but we're also building out two facilities that will have some really talented fa faculty um, presenting at their best um, skill sets and mindsets. That's clinical and business of dentistry. 
Um, the coolest part is that you see this people trending upwards. So people who came in as, I don't know, I'm just using a hypothetical, like an implant know nothing. That person has the ability to become almost an adjunct faculty than a full faculty as they want to pass on their knowledge there. So um, again, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a way to unify dentists and that's really difficult because dentists aren't usually used to collaborating. And so that requires some suppression of ego. In fact, quite a bit of it <laughs> and realizing that there's a better outcome, just like on our teams. Like I asked them, like, I need you to suspend the what's in it for me for the sake of the team and the patients. When you clock in, that's just how it's going to work. Um, because when in a give, give society, there's no upper limit, but in a give, take society, you take this little bit and, and how about mine? And we reach the bottom, the floor really quickly. And so I think that's what DSN stands for as a place where you can be safe. You can ask your dumb question because we all have them, but you can also brag about your best month and realizing that you may be really confident in placing implants, but your practice lacks phone skills or you lack ability to, to run a meeting and train and coach people. So that's all available. Um, and it's all available all the time. So that's what I'm really excited to be a contributor there because just like the book, just like the podcast, it's what I wish I had 10 years ago <laughs> because it would have been dangerous with that. And so, uh, we're just paving a path, making it easier for people as they come along, as we have create this body of shared knowledge that, as you know, when we were in dental school, you'd have to pay $50,000 for that. Oh. And, then, and then those weren't your wins. They were the consultants wins. And then the consultant would write off and you'd be like, well, why isn't this sticking? Well, because you didn't get, you didn't lead, you didn't, you didn't design it. You didn't, it's not your, it's not your stuff. And so this is an easy way to kind of perpetually implement and compound the effect of several different things that we've talked about today, the marketing, the leadership, the business acumen, and the clinical skill set. You know, for me, what really makes DSN different, and, you know, I am on a lot of, um, obviously, you know, I grew up in dental town, and I am uh, uh, in a lot of different Facebook groups, and, you know, I'm out there, but what really makes um, DSN unique for me is that because it's a membership-only uh, place, everyone there is really committed to a certain standard of behavior. Everyone there is committed to a certain um, level of, you know, educating themselves and educating others and support um, supporting others. And that's, that's what's really unique. And also, honestly, the quality of information is completely different than anything out there. And, you know, I was incredibly flattered when you asked me to be part of the faculty. And when I got there, I'm like, holy cow, these people are smart. <laughs> All these really incredible people that are doing something that I, you know, um, you know, I heard it was possible, but I didn't know that many successful dentists until I got into DSN. And, and, and I think that's what really um, makes it unique, makes it different. I'm, I'm so proud of one, how vulnerable people are, because I never felt that at a state dental meeting. It was always like this inflated production number. Like, what, what does that even mean, really? You know, I mean, is that adjusted? Is it collections? Is what's the, I mean, there's no, is there overhead involved here? Right. Um, the, the authenticity and the generosity of the people, not just the faculty, which 
we saw that as a driving force is that we needed attractive faculty, but a lot of the learning is peer to peer learning. And so, um, you know, we all, just like we talk about when we start something, we suck at it. And so the appreciation that these, there's certain people in there that aren't there yet, but they still have something to give. Um, they may challenge our own procedures and processes to a degree because to do it is one thing, but to explain it and teach it, it really challenges like, am I doing this right? Is it, does this work for me or does this work for everyone? Um, that's the thing that makes me so proud is that we've avoided, we've created a culture where that snarky finger pointing blame, you're a hack, you're money hungry, just doesn't exist. We all want to be successful and we define that by different terms, but whatever you're pursuing as your next level, I think is available there. And we're, the exciting thing is we're just getting started. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know that it's very difficult to ask questions. Um, I mean, we all struggle. We all have, you know, no matter how successful you are, there's always an area that you, you know, you either maybe not um, good clinically or maybe, you know, you're um, a great clinician, but you don't know how to do um, simple practice management stuff. Um, maybe you are, everything is great, but now you want to add another location. Maybe you're building from scratch. Maybe you're, you know, growing into a group practice, whatever challenges are, it's really tough to ask questions on an open, um, or even close Facebook group, you know, because you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know, um, you know, you don't, you, you feel embarrassed to ask certain questions and, and, um, and on DSN, we have the safe place where, you know, this is the place where you ask questions you wouldn't ask anywhere else. And, and I really, I'm, I'm really proud of you and Tim and, and Mark for creating this and, and I'm really happy to be a part of it. I'm glad you are. I mean, the, your, your insights um, continue to astound me. So the value that you bring, whether it be a dinner and bail, this conversation, um, going back to authentic, vulnerable, generous, I think that defines who you are and why people um, need and want to listen to you. So it's uh, it, it, just like in the practice, just like on DSN, just like anything else, I think all relationships should be win-win and give-give. And it's it's fun. It just gets so exciting when you can be not only just around one, but you have a whole uh, group of friends that think alike. And um, so I, I certainly appreciate you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a really good talk and uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this. Um, I am, uh, are you going to be at the Voices of Dentistry? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Just a couple of weeks away. Um, I know. I'm feeling guilty that my PowerPoint isn't complete. So maybe <laughs> the next order of business this afternoon. <laughs> I am uh, speaking at the Yankee a week after, and I'm still working on my presentation. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, very slow in, in coming. So I think we should um, get on our presentations right after. Yeah, let's do it. I'll hold <laughs> you a sign off. <laughs> <laughs> well, give Carol my best. Um, I uh, him lurking around a little bit. Tell him hello as well. Oh, <laughs> I sure will. I right. sure will. Great, great. It was great seeing you. Great well, talking to the podcasting club. It's, it's great to have you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You inspired me. Bye, Dave. See you later.